Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. Oh, praise the Lord. God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you haven't been here, uh, we've been in a series where we are reading what Jesus said and allowing our hearts to recalibrate closer to what he's saying. Rather than trying to jam what he said into what we think, we're trying to reform and re-hone our beliefs into what Jesus said. Amen? Okay, so I am challenging you, and I ask you at the start of each of these, uh, each of these services, when you read the words in red today, I want you to believe what he says beyond what you feel or think in the moment. I want you to believe what Jesus said, okay? I want to start with this, kind of just to set us up with where we're going. Uh, throw my painting up on the, on the this is a painting by a, an artist from the turn of the 18th century, 19th century. Uh, his name is Benjamin West. And he painted all sorts of historical events. That was what he leaned into. That's what he did. I'm going to read you uh, this about him. It says this, When the great painter Benjamin West was a young boy, he decided to draw a picture of his sister. He got out bottles of ink and succeeded in making a mess. When his mother got home, she said, What a beautiful picture, and kissed him. Later in life, he said that that kiss made me a painter. I want to talk to us today, in fact, I want Jesus to talk to us today through his word about the power of what we say. The power of the spoken word. It's profound, but it's more, it's more powerful than we understand. And I realize as a believer, there's some tension here. Oh, the Bible's full of good tension for you. If there wasn't tension, be like, I got this all. If you feel that way towards the scripture, I don't think you're reading it right. You think, oh, I got this all figured out. Listen, people have studied it their entire lives and still felt like novices at the end because it's the word of God. And newsflash, you're not God. All right. So we're going to jump right in here to what Jesus said. I want to set this specific thing up by giving you the context. Uh, Jesus was hanging out with his disciples. He was hungry. He was all man and all God. There's all that wonderful thing. But he was hungry. Sees a fig tree. Maybe you've heard this story before. Maybe you've read it. Listen with some fresh ears today. Uh, Jesus sees the fig tree. He goes over there because he's hungry. Walks to the fig tree. He goes to get fruit. There's none on it. And so he curses the fig tree with his words. He says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again, you naughty, naughty tree. All right. I added some of my flair to it. All right. The next day, here's where we pick up the story. Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 26. Okay. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. How's this for great tension? I love it. 
And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Ah, why does forgiveness keep coming up? It's almost as if Jesus just can't get away from it. Specifically, you forgiving other people. I know we went over this probably three or four weeks ago. I don't remember what it was. But, but it's tied directly to this too. I can't just jump over it. It's almost as if you forgiving and letting go is vital to Jesus. And he really means it. Otherwise he would repeat himself over and over. And why, why is it so important that you forgive? Because I just want to say this. If you do, you, you are not created to carry and live under the burden of unforgiveness. It crushes you. It crushes your spirit. It crushes your soul. Your choice to not forgive other people literally crushes your spirit. You walk around as a spirit pancake. This isn't my main point, but it's just good to re repeat. Forgive. Go ahead, forgive. Just do it. Get, it. get it over with. All right, now let's move on. So here is what we're leaning into today, our spoken word and the power of that. This is a huge thing for Jesus to say, like ginormous. If he says, you can say to this mountain, go be thrown into the sea and it will be done. That's crazy. And that's what Jesus said. And that's more true than you're reasoning your way out of it. The Lord is inviting you, church, to speak and ask audacious things. Just, just audacious things. I'll tell you, I got this Christmas cactus plant in my office. I've had it for seven years. Martha Holcomb gave it to me from a clipping from one of hers. She's like, she's got green thumbs and just beautiful with plants. So she, she knew I liked plants because uh, I took plants and people. I'm an expert, evidently. And I've had this in here. It has never once bloomed for me. No matter, she gave me fish fertilizer that I, my office smelled like rank for a week. And, and, and so never once has it bloomed. So this week, as I'm reading this again, and Jesus is like, Jesus cursed a fig tree. And he's like, I can say to this mountain. So I walk over to my plant and I'm like, bloom in the name of Jesus. I thought for sure when I got here this morning, I'd have a great testimony to share. I went over there. My experience doesn't trump what Jesus says. I, can, can, I will continue to confess with my mouth what Jesus has said. That song we sang today is so appropriate. We're, we're like literally having to say, come on, my soul. Don't, don't you get shy on me. There's a lion. I gotta... What we've done, what we've settled into as Christians is a quiet faith. Where we, 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 we think it, we think it, and we pray our prayers in our thoughts, but we never confess it with our mouth. I want, I want to tell you this, and I'm going to show you this by the end. Yes, we want to fill our thoughts in our life. That's all good. But there is a power and an importance to saying it out loud. The spoken word trumps the thought word every single time. It's vital to make confession and speak out loud. Jesus didn't say, think to this mountain, be moved. He said, you've got to speak it. That Greek word is uh, ipon, E-I-P-O-N, and it means to say, speak, tell, command. Nothing about thinking it. You must speak to this mountain. 
God gave you a voice. There's a lion inside you. Rawr! <laughs> you got to let it out, but you got to cooperate with it and speak. We've built into this faith. We, we, started, we, we don't live out loud anymore. I prayed every day in my mind, well, speak it as well. I, yes, it's good. The Lord knows your thoughts. He hears you, okay? He knows what you're going to pray. But that doesn't say you don't then stop praying it and saying it out loud. You're crazy if you don't talk to yourself is what Steve Backlund says. It is important to speak out loud. Why? Because faith comes by... I can pray all day in my mind, but it doesn't increase my faith until I speak it out loud. I don't get it, but it's profound and it's true because the Bible says it is. So I speak to this mountain. I speak to it. And what happens is I hear myself speaking and the faith rises up deeper and more profound inside of me. We believe what we hear for some reason. Another reason it's important to speak out loud. Here's some big words, big Christian-y words. God is omnipotent, all right? Which means God is all-powerful and God can do anything, amen? You believe that? God can do anything. Okay, we believe that. We also believe that God is omniscient. I love those words. Which means he knows everything. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He is the only one who knows everything. Here's, here's why it's important to speak out loud. Well, God knows my thoughts. All it, here's the thing. We, many of us have given into this lie. Well, Satan is kind of like God, just the opposite. He's the bad version of God. Look at me. Satan is not omnipotent. Satan is not omniscient, which means he's not all-powerful, and he doesn't know everything. I don't believe he can read your thoughts. But when I confess the word of God, he must flee. And so I say it out loud. Somebody told me last week, and, and, and I'll give you some more examples of this, but we played that silly video last week of Bob Newhart when he says, just stop it, right? And it's like, ha, 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 easier said than done, although it's still important to say. This gentleman uh, from first service, he said he had the very experience this week. He kept waking up and his whole body was like shaking. And he, for several nights, and he finally woke up, and his hands are shaking. He said, stop it. His body immediately agreed. So there is a power to our confession. And I, I can't write out the diagram of it, but the word says to speak to the mountain. I remember I, 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 I was a youth pastor in a city of like three people. <laughs> uh, our, our, our church was literally six miles from one town with 2,500 people, and then 10 miles was the other town, Colville, and we were in the middle of nowhere, right on a highway. To get to our church, you had to aim for it. So if anybody showed up in the middle of the week or at night, they were aiming for it. Uh, and, and, and my pastor, he was there by himself at the church, and, and he said, um, he's, his office is way at the corner of the gym. To get there, you have to walk all the way through the gym. And he hears somebody coming, he, he starts to come out, and this guy looked crazy, and he was staring him down with daggers and marching straight at him. And, and he, he didn't know what to do, he started to panic. But he finally, as the guy got close, he said, he just pointed at him, he said, stop in the name of Jesus! And the guy stopped. And he said, okay. And he turned and he left. He could have thought, stop in the name of Jesus all day long. But there's something that that guy needed to hear that created faith in the room. 
There's power in the confession of our tongue. One other story, one you may have heard before. I wasn't always a perfect angel. I grew up in this church till I was in high school, actually. Uh, but I remember, I, I must have been like six or seven. And it, we had Sunday night church because we were better Christians back then. And uh, <laughs> so we... But this Sunday night church, we, they, all of us kids, we were just we were off watching probably like uh, McGee and me or something like that. And we had one of the young pe- young teenagers in our church uh, watching us, and we saw weakness in her eyes, and we took advantage. I, we were running around the church. We had we won, and I remember I, I could go right back to the hallway. It was red carpet back then. And I saw her, and I, I pointed at her from about 30 yards away, and I said, you're a bad babysitter! <laughs> and I ran off. Then I got saved. No. Before the night was over, my parents had caught wind of this event. I think she told on me. And, and I, I was in this room, and they had sat me down on a pew, and I was like, you're going to go apologize to that babysitter. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I can't do it. I can't do it. And it wasn't because I didn't want to. I honestly felt sorry because I got caught. <laughs> right? And, but, I, like, you know, the fear of just doing that was just petrifying. And people are and like, you're going to sit here until, until you go apologize to her. Sure, sure enough, we were the last people in the church. And I, I had won. I hadn't done it. So they drive me to the Dairy Queen where this, this teenage girl was. And they sent me in in a traumatizing fashion by myself. And I, I can go back to this event in my brain, and I walk into the Dairy Queen here in Ferndale. I walk up to the cash register because there she is. I'm I'm blubbering. I'm like, I'm sorry, I called you a bad babysitter. And I turn and I ran. <laughs> I repented later. But here's the thing: something happened upon the confession of my faith there. Whether it was obedience to my parents, whether it was the open confession that I was wrong, it changed something in the course of my life. It killed rebellion in my heart. It killed pride in my heart. It killed me a little bit, and that's okay. And I look back, what a treasure moment that was in my life, although it didn't feel like a treasure at the time. There was something about the spoken word. I could have thought I was sorry all day long. wasn't good enough for my parents. I'll talk to them later about it. The spoken word trumps the thought every single time. I'm going to show that to you in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about our minds. Proverbs 18.21, I'm going to quote this to you till you're blue in the face, or me, whichever one, says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You get to choose which one. What you say matters. That's true. Now let's look at the words in red. Because there, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that your thoughts don't matter. Because the, the Lord says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it is important what I feed and what I meditate on. It says this, this is again words in red, Jesus talking in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, Jesus says. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. 
A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Don't be full of it. Be full of good things. The mouth is powerful. The meditation of our heart's important. But we need to understand we have to short-circuit those thoughts. And I'm going to show you how to do that in in a minute here. But before we do, let's look at one more this is, I want to show you somebody, the greatest, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. I want to introduce you to him. Someone we call perhaps the father of the church, the first pastor, the greatest leader, a man who healed the sick, raised the dead, led thousands to Jesus, none other, ladies and gentlemen, than the man, the legend, the apostle, the rock, Peter. Not, not the rock, the rock. But I want to show you this example before we move on to, to the... the the tool that I want to give you. Here's Peter. He, he literally loves Jesus. He is, he's all in. He's given every, his whole life to follow Jesus. Jesus is talking to them, and he's like, hey, some things are going to happen. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be handed over. And, and, and Jesus, who loved, excuse me, Peter, who loved Jesus, his mind starts racing. So here's what happens in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22 says this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Not a smart move. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Look at this carefully. Now, first of all, did you know the Lord only said that to one other, one other uh, person, and that was to Satan himself, right? When he, was in the, when he was being tempted, he's like, get thee asunder, right? So Peter's not in good company right now. Get behind me, Satan. Why? You don't have in your brain. You are not meditating on and consumed with the things of God, but the things of man. All you're considering is the man-made solutions, the plans that you can have. I mean, imagine I'm there, and Jesus, I've given my life, and now he's telling me these things are going to happen, and everything inside me is like, I would kill every human on earth before I'd let that happen to you. That's a human thought. I, my simple reflection for us is, whose thoughts am I consumed with when I face problems, when I face maybe a lack situation, when I, when I face a difficulty, if, if all I have in my repertoire and, and all I consume my thoughts with are the thoughts and plans that I could come up with, I do not have in mind the things of the Lord. Let's just say this for a second here. We all, we're all instructed. We need to take Mount Baker and get it into the bay. So we would have a little meeting and we'd be like, what kind of tools do you have? What do you, well, I know a guy. He's got an excavator, right? And so we come up with all these plants. And, and at the end of the day, we get up there, the whole youth group to earn money to go to camp are digging, digging one shovel full at a time. At the, end of, at the end of a lifetime, we wouldn't have dug it out. Even though I had some decent plans with some decent ideas. And none of that's evil, but the problem is I will never actually move the mountain without God's ideas. 
I have in mind only the things of man. Peter, I mean, stopping Jesus from being killed was a great idea to him. And it probably would have been to us too. However, God's plan, his thoughts, his solution for the the, the depravity of man was for his son to die on the cross. It was the only way. And because Peter took God's plans and his thoughts out, that's where he got thrown into the Satan category. Because Satan just means adversary. It means he's against. So Peter gets uh, called the big, the big bad name. If, you're, if your life is only filled with human solutions to every part of you, then you aren't living the faith-filled life that he's called you to do. If all I have is human confessions at the end of the day, when I see problems on the news, when I see problems in my bank account, when I see problems with my family, and all I have is to talk to other people about is the problem and the confession of the problem. It's bad. It's bad. That Russian balloon is bad. I'm, I'm co-op, if I don't have this, the confession of my faith in the mix, I'm actually antichrist in nature in my confession because he's not part of the equation. I am, I am telling us, when, when the Lord says to say to this mountain, he's asking you to put him in the equation because you can't move a mountain. Not without him. The confession of our mouth with Christ Jesus can move mountains. It goes beyond that. Like, do you realize that, that uh, I want to get the, the correct verse here, here with us today. It, if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. You know, confession is, is a part of the salvation story. Now, I don't get all that, ten, all, that, all that tension. I do believe you're saved when you accept Christ. But there is something profound about now the confession. So many of us come to Christ, but the confession disappears. When we get up here, we do baptism in the, in the tank here. I know that, because I've talked to the people that we baptize, they've already accepted Jesus. Should the rapture happen or the whole world blow up? They're going to heaven. Why are we dunking them in water? Because it's a confession of their faith and it does something profound for them and it does something profound for everybody who witnesses it. And that's why we say, upon the confession of your faith in Christ Jesus. That's why baptism is, is a profound experience. It's the confession piece to what's going on there. Our words are powerful. Now, I have a tool for you. I have some good news, and I need a volunteer. Who uh, I'm looking... All right, you, get on up here. Yep. Grayson, come on up. You don't even know what you... Yeah, you... Yeah. Now, Grayson. What's wrong with Grayson? Hey, he's on holy ground. I like your Costco socks, by the way. Those are great. All right. So, Grayson, what you're volunteering here for, you're going, you're going to do whatever I say exactly when I say it. Can you do that? Okay, do 10 push-ups. No, that, that was a joke. All right. So, here's my tool, right? So, Grayson, the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to count to 10 in your head. In, in your thoughts, so you're gonna one Mississippi. You're gonna use the Mississippi, right? So don't just go. 
One mistake, but do it in your head. Okay, you're still going to obey anything I say. Ready? When I say go, you're going to start counting. Ready? Go. Now say your name. What, what number did you get to? What happened in your brain when, uh, when you said? It blew his mind. Okay, nice work, buddy. All right. I, I saw this example this week, and it, it actually did blow my mind. because You can participate in this. Let's all do this together. You're gonna, I want you to think and count to 10 in your brain by Mississippi's, all right? And then you're, when I stop you, you're going to, ready, set, go. Now say your name out loud. Some of you are still counting, and now you didn't obey. But here's, what I, here's, here's my point, what I'm trying to show us. This trumps this every time. When I did this, it exploded my 10, my 10 count. It short-circuited my brain. So here's the tool that I'm giving you. When you there's, gonna, there's lots of things in life that your brain will want to meditate on. The confession of your mouth will short-circuit it. Good or bad, by the way. Somebody might be saying to you, hey, you know what? You, you, you're looking really good to... Oh, I'm just the worst. Bought all my clothes at the... <laughs> You just short-circuited your, your, your uh, but it works in the positive as well. We're going to do some examples here together. Okay, I have some, and I need you to create a list of your own confessions, because this works. It honestly works. We're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I'm going to show you how to renew your mind in the area. Now, you all face different struggles, different things, different things you tend to wallow in more than others. You can transform and renew your mind by these confessions, okay? Now, I throw scriptural references to the confessions because it adds to my faith because I know it's coming from the Bible, all right? So I'm going to throw some up the screen, uh, up on the screen. Let's throw the first one up here. Temptation, okay? Let, I think we've all faced temptation. Um, some people have faced different temptations, and we all know that, mo like, the temptation that is just so overwhelming, and, and now I want to, look at me, this is actually an important, important point, I will never think my way out of temptation. The more I sit there, eh, don't think of a pink elephant, pink, oh, there's the pink elephant again, I'll never think my way out of, out of temptation, but I can confess my way. I can short-circuit my brain, and here's how it works. That temptation that comes upon you in that moment that you know, I, I, I have some certain scriptures. I can just say this, I'm dead to sin. Okay, you can quote the whole thing. I'm dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. Why? Because I know that's what the Bible says about me in Romans 6, 11. So that, that, that temptation, I'm dead, I say it out loud because it stops the thought process and it begins to create new synapses in renewal. I'm dead to sin. All right, let's go to the next one. This is still temptation. Another one you could throw out. I say, out loud, I say no to this. So that temptation comes. Everybody say, no, I say no to this. Why? Because the word says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he'll never allow me to be tempted beyond what I can bear, and the Lord is faithful. He will always provide a way out, period. So I know that word's in there. I lean on that, and I say it out, no, I say no. There's a way out of this, and I choose the way out. I've short-circuited the pattern, and I will add to this, then get up and move. 
Don't go back to wallowing and sitting where you are. That got you into the temptation in the first place. All right, let's do a couple more. Let's say you're worried about your past because you've done some dumb, dumb things. You're worried about condemnation, and, and it overwhelms you, your past. You know how depraved it was, and you know, you know uh, when you start to feel that, when that, that starts to overwhelm your thoughts, and you know your brain's about to wallow there. I'm a new creation. I'm actually brand new. Not like, not like refurbished. I am a new, so you just say, no, I'm a new creation. I'm fresh off the factory floor. Not re refurbished. I'm fresh. I'm fresh off the factory floor. Old things are gone. They're passed away. Behold, all things are new. How do I know that? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's in my repertoire. Confess it in that moment. Uh, let's do another one. Anxiety, fear. These things, these things will come upon you like a flood. Oh no, oh no, no. I cast all my care on the Lord because he cares for me. I have that in scripture. So, that, so you start to wallow in that anxiety. And now, when I'm embarrassed that Tanner will think I'm weird, well, who cares? <laughs> I cast all my anxiety. You all right? Just, just confessing the better truth. There's some things that I, I wrote nightmares down here because sometimes I'll wake up in that, in that moment. You know what? I plead the blood of Jesus. I've got the mind of Christ. I, in peace, I get to lay down and sleep. That's in Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. Here's one that, uh, that we all will hit. This is too hard. I can't, I can't do it. This is just too... Because the truth is, there are some things that you will... I promise you, you will face things in life that you can't get over, under, or around. You have to go through. And it will seem like impossible and hard. If it, here's the thing. The more you confess that I can't do it, the more you will believe you can't do it. And it will short-circuit your faith. But in that moment, you, you can say, I can do it. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what the word says. I've just short-circuited it. Now I may need to say it again when the, when the thought comes back. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's one that somebody near to me said recently. This this is the worst day of my life. Some people are over, more dramatic than others. I fall into that category. Oh, this is the worst day of my life. Because the truth is, there are some days that feel like that. What is the confession? Instead of confessing that and rehearsing it and wallowing in it, actually, this is the day the Lord has made. I got no other choice but to rejoice and be glad in it. And I have to confess, that's right out of the Scripture. Psalm 118. Romans 8.28 is another confession for the worst day of your life. God causes all things to work together for my good. Why? Because I love him. This, that's, the, that's a powerful truth there. Because a lot of people say, well, God causes everything to work together for good. No. He has a caveat. To those who love him. And are called according to his purpose. So not everything that happens is, is for your good. But I know that I love Jesus. And so that's a powerful verse for me. Like, well, I love the Lord. So that's going to be good for me. 
He's going to cause all things for my good. Uh, somebody, I'm, I don't want to use names, but uh, somebody mentioned to me after, after service, first service, they lost, you know, they lost their spouse, and, uh, and this Christmas they were, they were in their house, and the song, it's the most wonderful time of the year, comes on, and she said, that's not true, this isn't the most, one- this is what she starts, this is the worst time of the year, my spouse isn't with me, and she stopped herself, and she said, stop it, this, and she used this, the very, she stole my notes, she said, this is the day the Lord has made, I choose, and I, I will rejoice today and be glad in it. And she says, so I just started to sing and praise the Lord and thank him because thankfulness opens up that door. We do have to stop ourselves from the, from the confession and the wallowing. Well, we got lots here. I'll, do, I'll just do a couple more because we all like that, that money issue. Oh, no. That bill came out of nowhere. Come on. Oh, no. All my Bitcoin is gone. <laughs> Right? We, we know that feeling. No, I'm the righteousness of God. And the Bible says that the righteous will never be forsaken, nor their seed will be ever found begging bread. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Psalm 37. He also says in Philippians 4, Oh, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ. I have to I confess that out loud and it usurps and trumps my dumb thoughts. Negativity, it's really easy to get to see all the bad in everybody, especially the opposite political party or the other the other country, the other lead, like all of that. It's so like it's real I can rehearse all the bad things about most people I've ever known. But the more profound truth is oh and, and so when, you, when you're, and it, oh, come on, how often do you just sit and talk how bad about somebody? And I'm justified in it because they're bad. But wait a minute, they're created in the image of God. Try, try saying that about them in the middle of the conversation and see if it usurps your conversation a little bit. One of the ones that I have to go to all the time is 1 Corinthians 2.1. I, I never can actually know that person's heart. Because only the Lord knows the motives and the thoughts of every man. I don't even know my motives and thoughts half the time. So I, I, I reserve that for the Lord. And I have to confess that. Otherwise, my, my mind can continue to wallow. Last one that we'll do for today. Forgiveness again. <laughs> Some people that are just hard to forget. No, that's not true. Here's what I say to myself. Ah, oh, I have been forgiven so much. And so I freely forgive. And I say it out loud. I have, I've forgiven, been forgiven a lot. So I, in fact, let me say this with me. I've been forgiven a lot. So I freely forgive. That's the more powerful confession. That's the renewing of your mind. Your words, what you speak, can literally move mountains. So come on, my soul, don't you get shy on me. You've got a lion inside of your lungs. So get up and praise the Lord. Stand with me. I'm going to pray just some things over you. And if you want to agree with them after each one, I don't even know what I'm going to pray, but they'll be good. 
Just say amen out loud. Amen, that word, if you're not a churchy person, that's fine. Amen means so be it. Amen. Yes, I'll take that. Amen. So yours is the, uh, yours is, yours is the amen, so you get to say that. So you can bow your heads. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray, and, uh, and if you want to say yes to whatever I'm praying over you and say that is your confession, just you throw out that amen. Jesus, we love you. I need some more amens to that one. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, you have forgiven me a lot. Jesus, you are good. Jesus, you've got a great plan for me. Jesus, I'm, I'm guaranteed an eternity with you. Jesus, my heart is yours. Jesus, the meditation of my heart is yours. Jesus, my thoughts are of you now. Jesus, I forgive. Jesus, I believe. I hope in you. I trust you. You've given me good things. And you've got a great plan for my life. Father, I bless that over each one here. Father, may the meditation of our hearts and our minds be pleasing to you. And may the confession of our mouths be based on your word and what you say. I pray for a revival in our hearts as we lean into you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here you you're gonna have homework um, because I gave you my I gave you some. There's there's literally a lot that you can you can go here, and you know where you're you you tend to wallow in your thoughts, or in even in your your. So I want you to create some things and your some confessions that when you find yourself wallowing in the mud again, you know how to confess your way out of it. You are children of God. Did you know that? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He rejoices over you with singing. Amen. Oh, he would have died just for you. Amen. It's good news. So walk in it, confess it, and enjoy the life he has with him. And amen. God bless you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.